Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the new trailer for the Sherlock Gnomes movie, you can find that on YouTube. It is delightful. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're Manfred Mann, you're simultaneously one person and multiple persons. Discuss. As always, I'm your host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I am the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms. Check us out at redcavelegal.com to learn more. And if you're itching to change your law firm technology platform after listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit us up. We can do a technology audit for you. Here on the Legal Toolkit podcast, we offer you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, as I just alluded to, we're going to talk about the tech trends you need to know for 2018 which is this year now. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. AnswerOne is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. So we have two guests on the show today. We have a regular guest, uh, Chelsea Lambert. We'll hear more from her in a second. But we also have a guest host. That's right. I said a guest host. Today, I will be co-hosting the show with my very own wife, Jessica. This really is a truly, truly a watershed moment for the Legal Toolkit podcast. Have we jumped the shark? Have we reached a place in time where I feel as though I can just do whatever the hell I want? Um, Let's find out, shall we? So my wife, Jessica, again, who is today's guest host, who's looking at me funny right now, is, in fact, the most wonderful person I have ever known on every level. Uh, Jessica, is there anything you'd like to add to that in terms of uh, specific biographical data? No, but thank you for having me. (laughs) Okay, everybody, listen up. This is how this is going to work. For the first third of the show, I'm going to interview Jessica. For the second and third third of the show, Jessica and I are going to interview our guest, Chelsea Lambert. This is going to be fun. This is the first time we've ever done this this way. So let me ask uh, Jessica some discussion questions to start. Okay, let's start with a really easy question. Which one of our children do you love more? Uh, You are my favorite child of all my children. Uh, But (laughs) if I have to pick one of the children, I would say it is whoever gets ready for bedtime without me having to ask 10 times to get ready for bed. That's a good choice. It varies day by day. Yes, that's good. That's not even a diplomatic answer. No. You love a different child every day depending on expediency at bedtime. Whichever one listens better. 
Well, hopefully nobody from the Department of Social Services is listening to this show right now. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the peculiar habits I have. Because people just hear me on the radio and they think I'm this amazing dude. What listeners might not know, though, is that I'm kind of weird in real life. So, for example. <laughs> I think they could probably tell that by listening maybe. to this. I, mean, I don't know. It's been years. Nobody's really called me out on it. When I'm using a spoon, I have to lick it clean before each new spoonful, which is like, I understand one of the most disgusting things that a human being could do, but I feel compelled to do it. Like, it's disgusting watching me eat like a sun butter sandwich, of course, because I'm allergic to peanut butter or yogurt. Why would you be eating a sandwich with a spoon? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't eat a sandwich with a spoon, I suppose. I'd make it like an open face sandwich and then spoon off the sun butter. But we're getting, we're getting away from the point, which is I like to lick the spoon clean after every spoonful. That, I, you admit that's vile, right? It's disgusting, yes. And I, I can't seem to help myself. But which of my habits do you think is the most disgusting? Can I only pick one? Well, you can pick two. Go for it. Okay. Um, Seven? Top, I don't know. It's the Christmas season. Top on it. the list uh, is definitely nail biting. Nail biting is the worst. I would also have to say how loudly you eat cereal. Um, wow. You're really hitting home there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, shrinking my clothes in the laundry. You oh. Ladies, you think you want your husband to do your laundry? You don't. You don't want him to do your laundry because... Uh, for some reason, Jared thinks that every load of laundry needs to be washed at extremely high temperatures, and you have a really nice new North Face jacket, and he decides to wash it, and now it's too short. So. Strictly hypothetical, right? Hi absolutely hypothetical, yes. You want me Chewing to, ice? You want me to keep going? Or? No. Okay. Total lack of manners, which you frequently refer to. Uh, cereal eating. Raising a cave. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, make, let's stop talking about me. This is clearly not getting us anywhere. Let's talk a little bit about you, Jessica. Who's sexiest? David Duchovny, Adam Sandler, Tom Brady, or yours truly? That's easy. David Duchovny. David Duchovny, yes. sexiest. Would you mind explaining your reasoning behind that? Because those are four sexy gentlemen. Yes. I mean, you put together a great list. Well, thank uh, you. you could also add honorable mentions for um, yes. Adam Scott oh. and Paul Rudd. Also make my list. You left them off. I'm sorry. But that's shameful. I should have a better understanding. The cream of, of the crop is obviously David Duchovny. Yes. Yeah, because? Because he's a sexy man. And? What's your favorite TV oh, show? Oh, The X-Files. And do you obviously. want to tell people a little bit about something that's happening with The X-Files? The X-Files is year? coming back for season oh, 11. Oh, you're going to segue into that later? In January. No. Okay. Go ahead. You can no. segue into it now. January 2018, X-Files season 11. It's big. Watch out, people. Watch it's out. It's going to be even better. Don't this call is us make... on Wednesday nights. Yeah, this is going to make X-Files Season 10 look like House Party 3. So, do you get that reference, or is that no. too? Okay. I have no Sorry. idea what you're talking about. Jessica's younger than me. I'm really old. Okay, let's shift gears again. I don't know if everybody knows this about you, but you hate the Beatles. Is that correct? I do not hate the Beatles. You I do not like the their songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> you like them personally? Yes. Of the remaining Beatles that live. They're cheeky Paul, You like Paul and Ringo personally? They're, yes. good, they're good men. But you hate their music. <laughs> I, you hate the Beatles music. I don't it's like okay. their music. Yeah, I don't you can like say the Beatles. It. It's fine. You're in the tree of trust right hate, now. Hate is a strong word, but no, I okay. do not Dis like the Beatles. Dislike strongly? Detest? No, I don't detest. They're, they're fine gentlemen. I just don't like their music. <laughs> One of them is a knight. I think two of them are knights. Name me a Beatles song you like. Um, Hey Jude. Oh, all right. That's fair. It's, it's a good Beatles song. Okay. So you don't love the Beatles. 
I don't love the Beatles. I also Beatles don't like okay. Elvis. So here's the thing. I like the Beatles. I have like original Beatles albums and stuff, but I like a lot of music. So I ask you then, Jessica, which of my other musical preferences do you also hate? And alternatively, what artists would you recommend? And I ask this even though your musical tastes are so obviously compromised. So again, I don't like the word hate. I'm not a fan of the word hate. I do not hate the Beatles. I do not like the Beatles music. For musical taste, my musical taste changed frequently. I used to be a big Taylor Swift fan, and then 2017 happened, and I'm not really a fan of the new stuff. I would say I used to listen to a lot of music at work, and now I mostly listen to podcasts while I'm working. Probably I listen to the most music now in the car, and that would be Sirius Sirius 90s on 9. Because we're all white people and we have a subscription to Sirius XM? Yes. Yes. Uh, 90s on 9 is the best serious uh, station. Oh, very good choice. Uh, I can get behind that. I would say that now mostly it's less music, more podcast, and on the train I'm now reading books more. So I try and read a book or two. Wow. Uh, well, no, a book a week or every two weeks. So Look at you. So producer Lawrence Galetti, <laughs> plus two for Taylor Swift and the X-Files. Negative five for your distaste for the Beatles. Well, I'm sorry. You know, again, we were talking before. Uh, I also don't like Star Wars, so I'm going to get a huge oh minus Why a million for not yourself? liking Star Wars. And, you know uh, this is posted online, right? I also don't drink coffee. So. Oh, this is weird. Okay, and why don't you drink coffee? Can you talk about that for a second? Um, Because I don't want to become reliant upon caffeine to stay awake. Oh, hot coffee was not spilt on you as a child or anything no, like that? No, no, I have no traumatic okay. uh, memories okay. of coffee as a child. That's it, unfortunate. It smells delicious. I drink it sparingly mm. when I need to, but It's too bad we couldn't have explored epic. any traumatic childhood incidents. Lastly. Maybe we can talk about that when Chelsea comes on. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That sounds exciting. Chelsea has experience with that. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about a new project you're going to launch in the new year. You and I have traveled regularly for years, and we're about to launch a travel podcast. Yes, I'm about to expand the podcasting empire. So Jessica, can you talk a little bit more about the upcoming podcast? Well, if you all haven't gotten enough of us from this little clip it. Yeah, this is just a taste. This is this is just the tip right here. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God, this is a family podcast. For um, the love of God, an Archer reference, though. Big ups. Thank you, Jared. So uh, we took a trip last year to uh, Disneyland in Hawaii. And before we were going on that trip, I was looking for a good family travel podcast to give me some tips, tricks, because every year that we travel, our kids get older. We start traveling with a, a different age group. They have different needs and wants. So I was looking for a travel podcast for families. I realized that I could not find anything more than an episode of a certain podcast on iTunes that dealt with family travel as a whole. So we figured if it didn't exist, well, we, we could create it. So Jared and I will be sharing our favorite travel tips, destinations, family hacks, traveling with young children, all that, all that good stuff. Family hacks. Family What's the hacks. name of the podcast? The name of the podcast is yeah. The Lobby List. And you can find it on iTunes and et cetera, places where iTunes, you get your podcasts. Google. Google. Google Play. Google it's going to be fun. Yes. It's going to be like this, only better. Right. And we want the travel podcast to not just be about traveling with families with children. We want it to 
be about any sort of family travel, whether you're grandparents traveling with kids, whether you're uh, newlyweds on your honeymoon, any sort of family. Also, we want to take away some of the fear and trepidation some parents have with traveling with their children. I think there's a misconception out there that once you have kids, your your life is over. No, once you have <laughs> once you have kids, your life changes dramatically. And while your type of travel might change, we don't think the trips that you take have to change. So we also want to focus on taking those adult trips, but incorporating your children as well. Beautiful. All right. Even if you're like a psychotic inbred hillbilly family in Nevada, we can help you travel, right? Hills have eyes. You've never seen that either, have you? Okay. We, anyway. we love Nevada too. Nevada is a great state. <laughs> well played. All right. Enough about my domestic bliss. Here's all the stuff you need to buy. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. All right, thanks for sticking with us. My wife, Jessica, and I are co-hosting the show today, and we're about to bring in our guest, Chelsea Lambert. But before we do that, remember to check out Jessica's new podcast, The Lobby List, on iTunes. So we're going to talk to Chelsea today about the top technology trends for legal in 2018. Chelsea Lambert, if you don't know, and you should, is the founder of Lex Tech Review, a legal technology blog and learning center. Her mission is to help attorneys and legal professionals understand the technology that is available to them, how to use it, and the positive impacts it can have on their business. Both a former practice management advisor for the Chicago Bar Association and vice president of marketing for a case management provider, she is an expert in small law firm processes and practice management topics. Chelsea recently published the nearly 200-page 2017 Legal Technology Buyer's Guide, which has been downloaded by thousands of law firms around the world, and you can go download it right now. She regularly writes and teaches on law practice management and technology, and you can read her blog at lextechreview.com, that's L-E-X-T-E-C-H, review.com, and you can also follow her on two Twitter accounts. One is at Chelsea Lambert, and that's C-H-E-L-S-E-Y, and at lextechreview. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry you had to sit through that early portion. I hope you found it amusing. No, it was fantastic. Did you enjoy the first part of the show? Yes. Oh, good, good. I appreciate that. Are uh, you a fan of the X-Files? I am, I am. And David Duchovny, high five. Oh, great. We can we can continue our friendship now. <laughs> good. This is great. Look at Jessica jumping in off script and everything. I'm impressed. All right. I'm going to swing it to Jessica, Chelsea, so she can start asking you about technology. Oh, fantastic. Okay, Chelsea, it's, it's 2018, the start of a new year. Is this a good time for law firms to revise their technology platforms, or is this just the random flipping of a calendar page used to sell gym memberships? 
emerging technology and adopting new technology, you know, can seem like this big, you know, monumental, I should do it at the beginning of the year, you know, goal that we all set, just like, you know, the New Year's resolution for, you know, losing weight and joining the gym. But really adopting technology from my perspective is a lifestyle and that lifestyle change can happen at any time over the course of the year. And the reason why I say that is because just like New Year's resolutions, we I run into so many firms that have this massive list of goals and I'm going to adopt this technology and I'm going to do, you know, automate my marketing and I'm going to change my website. And in the same way that we all, you know, run to the gym and we work out five days in a row and then we hurt ourselves and then we don't go back there for three weeks, you know, you can also overdo it. So think of folding technology into your practice and into your life in increments and and have that goal if it is to adopt a new platform in 2018 or you made that decision at the end of last year um, to, you know, baby step into it. And in some cases, you know, Jared uh, is a great example of, you know, the wonderful trainers that are and consultants that are available to help you do that so it's not an overwhelming process. So it is, yes, an awesome time to start the new year especially because, you know, you can start that case management software on calendar day one, January one, or, you know, the beginning of a month, but don't overdo it and, you know, take it in increments. So this is the equivalent of not pulling your hamstring when adopting new technology. I think that's a great analogy. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you've seen it too, Jared. I mean, how many firms, you know, dive headfirst into three platforms or trial seven different softwares at one time, and then they get paralyzed (laughs) by that decision and like, oh my gosh, now I can't do anything. And then it's another year before they actually, you know, implement something. They just need to read your book. So psychologically, let's dive into this a little bit. What is it that stops law firms from upgrading their technology on a psychological level, absent any like technology specific requirements? Yeah. So, I mean, change sucks, right? Like usually people don't make a change in their life unless it is like a catastrophic situation, problem, major thing happens. And so from my experience and working with firms, it is hard to convince them to make that decision, make that investment and make that change when their business isn't broken. Right. So if if I'm making money and I'm able to pay my bills and I'm able, you know, to to make do with what I have, whatever that might be for some firms, it's a legal pad and an Excel sheet for other firms, it's software that they bought 10 years ago. If I can still operate my business, then what motivation do I have to, you know, stop and slow things down and and adopt new technology and spend money? You know, if if I can continue to do things the way that I always have, then why am I going to make a change? So part of it is that. And then the other is the realization that you have to, especially, you know, going into 2018 and beyond, the market's changed significantly. It will continue to change. The consumers have different expectations. Clients have different expectations. And you have to acknowledge the fact that it's no longer an option to have software that runs your business. Everybody from landscapers to yoga teachers to the guy that, you know, comes and shovels snow, everybody is using technology. Everybody's accepting credit card payments. Everyone, you know, in the general universe of, you know, the public in in civilized United States is using technology to run their business, no matter what that is, right? So we have to adopt those technologies if we want to continue operating 
at scale and at the same pace as everything else. So acknowledging that that investment is no longer an option, that it is a requirement. You know, there are products that fit every single budget. You could come to me with like a 20 to $50 budget and I would be able to tell you, okay, well, here's your options, right? There's, there's so many products out there now. That's great. Thanks, Chelsea. When Jared is consulting with his clients, he often tries to include associates and staff. To what extent should law firm management include associates and staff in the technology decision-making process? So coming from personal experience working with firms, it's, to me, a requirement to include them. Because when a law firm is evaluating software, let's just take case management as an example, the managing partners and associates are going to value different features in those platforms, such as reporting, such as billing, perhaps uh, tools that they're going to use to expedite the delivery of cases across the entire firm. Whereas if a paralegal support staff or intake person were demoing or testing that software, they're going to value a different tool set. Rocket Matter is a good example of having even two different views, a list view versus a calendar view, where as an associate or a managing partner might look at the calendar because it's where they need to be that day, whereas a paralegal or a support staff person is going to want the list view. And there are other case management platforms with nuances uh, the same way, where it's like Clio, you can sort and move columns around to display different pieces of data. For Practice Panther, there's text message appointment reminders that would save a ton of time for a paralegal or support staff who was doing confirmation calls and things like that. So there are different sets of features and tools inside of these systems that carry different values and weighted values for each of those different team members. So as a whole, it's really, really important that at least a couple people from each team, if you have a larger firm, a couple of your paralegals or support staff, maybe the managers or the admin, everyone be involved in that test and trial period. Um, additionally, when the selection process happens, it's very, very common to see a managing partner uh, pick a solution and then hand it off to the support staff. And it's the first time that they've even heard or seen this piece of technology, which then creates animosity within the firm, resentfulness. We often call in the software vendor world, we call that person, you always have a champion inside the firm who loves the technology and runs around raving about it. And then you always have a detractor. Who didn't we spend enough time with? Who was the paralegal who's responsible for doing 90% of the document prep that nobody showed the document prep features to? And these are situations that happen all the time. So, you know, talking about that psychological fear of change, that's very real for everybody. And the worst thing that you can do is pick a piece of technology and then hand it off to your staff and say, okay, have fun with it. You guys make sure that all the work gets done on time while learning the solution that I just pushed onto you today. So, and unfortunately that does happen. So involving the team as much as possible, not only shows that you value their opinion, they feel more uh, like participants in the process as opposed to that you're delegating this new thing that they have to do. And they can actually get excited about it. And you would be amazed when you get a team in the room, um, all of the different opinions that you will see come out. They, they feel comfortable and they're you know more than willing to share with that salesperson or whoever's giving the demo all their thoughts and opinions on how the software would work for them. And it can be an 
enlightening experience for the managing partner or the associates that lead the firm because it can oftentimes uncover problems that they didn't even know were happening. Like, oh, this form feature or these online intake tools would actually save us X amount of hours per week. Oh, I had no idea you were spending that kind of time. Well, yeah, because you don't have to do it. So it's, it's a very, it's a really great opportunity to not only increase morale by bringing your team into the decision, but also uncover potential efficiency gains or issues that you may have not even known existed. Excellent points, Chelsea. I thought that was very good. Um, I talk a lot about this notion of like staff nullification, like most of the law firms, the staff is doing the bulk of the work. And if they don't want to use the software, they ain't using it. Mm -mm. (laughs) So you definitely need to get people involved. It happens a lot. Yes. Um, And unfortunately, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more from Chelsea Lambert after you hear about a bunch of nifty products you just might want to buy this year. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Welcome back. Jared just made himself a mustard sandwich. How did it taste, Jared? Tangy and pungent. Mm, yum. We've got more with Chelsea Lambert of Lex Tech Review, who's telling us everything we need to know about the hottest technology trends for 2018 in the legal field. All right, Chelsea, let's talk about some specific tech trends you think are going to hit hard in 2018. Let's start with voice-activated time and billing. Why do you think this is finally going to be the year that time and billing gets modern? Well, Tally had a, uh, and Tally, T-A-L-I, if uh, you're not familiar with it, had an incredibly uh, warm response at the Clio conference when they launched earlier this year. Um, I had the pleasure of demoing the software, uh, and there's a review on my site about it. And even if you're not a Clio user, because it is integrated with Clio, you have the ability to talk your time records into an Alexa device, whether that is the Alexa app on your phone or the Amazon Echo Dot um, sitting on your desk or, you know, the Alexa, full-blown Alexa device sitting in, you know, your kitchen. So if wherever you're working, all you have to do is say, you know, record two hours on the Smith case for doing document prep. These are going to be able to capture, these technologies will be able to capture your time, your notes, um, and all of those little details that you might forget throughout the day. Even if you have started using voice annotation or voice notes to dictate um, to yourself to create a notebook, whether you're using Evernote or just the apps that are native on your phone, um, it's so much faster and safer, especially if you're in the car, um, than typing them out and texting them. But they still require a manual entry. So this technology that would have been considered to be kind of a niche of a niche, you know, how many people own these devices or, um, you know, we see in general this area of the market for consumers expanding as well as now bridging over into the business world. So it's not only very, very functional, but one ancillary benefit to using voice 
uh, activated technology, whether it's to record notes to a case or to capture more time and billing records than you normally would, um, is the detail that you can provide for your client. And if you want to test this out, I just invite you to try um, voice texting when you're texting someone um, or, or dictating an email into your email client on your phone. You can get things done so much faster, and I'm recording the same level of detail. So if, if recording detail on invoices is something that you've really tried to get better at, which will, by the way, improve your collection rates, because there's nothing that a client um, will disagree with more than an invoice with a bunch of line items that don't have a description. So this is a great way to provide an incredible amount of detail to your client to justify and back up the value that you're providing for those fees but in a way that isn't intrusive on your schedule or labor intensive. Excellent. The human voice, the most effective tool of all, as you can see from podcasts like this one. Example. So, Chelsea, ready to talk about forms automation? Oh, my favorite. Forms automation is your favorite. So you've told so me excited. like you've told me there's some bad forms automation stuff coming down the pipe. Just I how bad you. are we talking? <laughs> You did use so that term. Audit- I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not lying. <laughs> I noticed we could swear on this podcast, which you, Jessica, and I have hung out. So I'm very like comfortable. Um, I'm very excited about this bad <laughs> forms automation that I'm about yes. to tell you about. So, Throw it so, out there. I don't know a lot Feel of- free. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people that get super excited about you know document assembly or automation. I have been really passionate about it since I was first um, introduced to the technology in 2009. I got to work with Stephanie Kimbrough and Richard Granite and um, have, you know, considered them to be great um, contributors to the legal community, really showed me the power of what document automation and assembly can do. So first, I just want to share that as we move through this, you know, market that's adapting and changing and growing like crazy and products coming out all over the place, document assembly and forms automation is something that can be used and implemented in the firm so easily that makes such a massive impact in margins, profitability, accuracy. I mean, it just has so many benefits that it's one of those things where once it's set up, it just goes. And it just has so, so many positive benefits to the firm. So I recently demoed, um, there's, you know, case management systems that have built-in document assembly tools. And then there's also solutions like HotDocs. And one of the limitations of these tools has been that they have to live on a PC. They have to use local uh, RAM and storage or live on a server um, to to be powered. And it's very hard to bring these technologies to the web because they oftentimes need Microsoft Office, Microsoft Word, Excel, Outlook um, to power that form automation, which also creates limitations for Mac users. So the reason why I call this so just a bad revelation, amazing achievement is because I demoed this software called Lawyaw and it's spelled L-A-W-Y-A-W. And it's kind of like, I was actually talking about it with my boyfriend and he's like, oh, like Lawyaw, like get a Lawyaw. <laughs> which I thought was really cute. <laughs> How but drunk were you guys when that conversation took place? We were sober. Um, we like nerd out. It's really <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> so it's a lawyer, and everybody should check it out. 
because it is web-based. It's only available in the state of California right now. And I'm literally like just begging these guys to let it loose across America because it allows you to create a form stack. So taking California judiciary forms, for example, in the area of family law, this is how document assembly would previously work. You would have to, you know, select a form. It would pull all the information about your client in, create this document, you know, okay, save it. Lawyer allows you to build a stack specific to a case type. So let's say that I have, I'm doing a divorce or I'm doing a child custody matter. Okay, I'm going to say I need this form, I need this form, I need this form, and I need this form, right? Here's my stack for this child custody case. Input the client information in the uh, dashboard, like frame contact center on the left, and then build your stack. And all of a sudden, boom, in the browser, everything is populated. It's super beautiful, really, really clean interface, and it works on any you know device, so in the browser. This is a massive improvement in some of the technologies that we've seen before. They've got a really, really great um, team with some crazy, crazy smart people. Um, you know, some just you see neuro-linguistic programming and artificial intelligence and machine learning being applied to document assembly and automation use cases for forms-driven practices like family law, real estate, bankruptcy. I mean, it just, the list goes on as to how many practice areas, especially in the solo, small, mid-sized law firm space can benefit from this technology. I am like super just crazy stoked about it. And I can't wait until it's available outside of California. If you're a law firm in California, you need to check it out for real. Dare I say fat stacks? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We should talk because there's a lot of action going on in document automation. I may have some hot tips for you. It's interesting that you mentioned hot dice as well because they were just purchased by Abacus Data Systems. And I think that Mm -hmm. means that hot dice is going to be available to Abacus Law users as well. I think so. I think so. That's some good information. I hadn't heard of them before. So, Jared, I just want to know, did we uh, set a new podcast record for the number of times was mentioned on this podcast? Uh, Unfortunately, no. We'll have to come back on and and do do it again. I would would love that. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, you say that uh, that text messaging is the new email, and I know that moms everywhere are saluting you when you say this. Can you talk a little bit more about why that is? Yeah, so I heard um, this quote recently, and I'm going to have to uh, reuse it. It's, you know, if you divert a call from your mom and send her a text message, do you think that your clients are going to answer the phone when you call? You know, it's kind of that, <laughs> it's a shift. <laughs> it's, um... And that's a realization. Like we have to just own up to the fact that this is a widely used form of communication. Think about every consumer service that we subscribe to, whether that is your, you know, dentist, your hairdresser, your doctor's office, you know, any professional service where there's an appointment or there's some type of deliverable. I mean, we're getting marketing messages. It's almost, you know, been used in the same way that telemarketing was used in the past to to reach consumers. And so this is no different. We have to realize that the people buying legal services, and again, a lot of my background and focus has been in the area of consumer law, 
So we're just as much in competition with their open Amazon shopping cart as we are their decision to buy an estate plan or to invest in planning for their family or to finally move forward on, you know, a particular legal matter that they've been putting off, right? So if we can close the gap in communication to help convert more prospects into clients by adopting this form of communication, then why aren't we doing it? So you've got some newcomers to the space. You've got ZipWhip that's integrated with Clio. That's fantastic. You're starting to see case management providers integrate email. Um, Practice Panther has text message appointment reminders, um, which will also help decrease no-show rates. By the way, I'm really, really big on that one. Um, It's hard enough to get them scheduled for an appointment. You don't have the time to go chase them down when they miss it. So if it's automating those reminders and more people are showing up at the door, that's more people that are converting, right? So let the technology help you um, make more money. And then we've also got, I think, Leap Jared has some integrated text messaging features. Smart Advocate that I demoed has integrated text messaging feature. So you're starting to see it you know, move into the case management space. It's not as prolific as I would like, you know, it's not as widely used as in my opinion it should be. And then also, you know, just in talks, I was talking to uh, Sean Hallahan at the Louisiana State Bar Association about this just a couple weeks ago. And she does bring up a good point that, you know, confidential client communications, you know, there are situations where you don't want that in text message. However, that's not necessarily what you need to use it for. You need to use it to capture the attention of the client, use it as a marketing vehicle, use it to get them into the office, and then leverage tools like your secure client portal for the document sharing, for those secure communications about the granular details of their case that should be respected and kept in that realm of attorney-client privilege and all of that information kept in a secure area. I will bring up another use case is that if this is already happening in your office, like let's say paralegals or front office staff or receptionists are communicating with clients for whatever reason through text, and then they happen to leave your firm, you have no record or access to any of that information. So by using tools that are made for text message communication, you're retaining an audit trail, you're keeping track you know, from an ethical perspective of everything that ever occurred, There's even one-off solutions. If you're not one for case management or you don't want to use anything that's specific, there's a tool called Pinger, P-I-N-G-E-R, that's a web-based browser that allows you to connect phone numbers and document those text message communications. So you have to move where the clients are going. Mark Britton at Avo gave a presentation, I think it was a couple of years ago, where he said, you have to go where the money is. You have to go where the clients are. You have to adjust and shift and shape to how they want to be communicated. And the fact of the matter is, is that even my mom, who's, you know, 72, is texting me, right? So if that's uh, the fastest way to get them into your office and to get answers and to have them show up for things that could potentially derail the case, like a bankruptcy client showing up to a 341 hearing at the right time with their social security number and everything else that they need, by not using it, are you setting yourself up for that could then cost you time, money, and effort, um, or potentially loss of clients? Because quite frankly, if the law firm down the street is using it, that's who I'm going with. Text messaging, the new black. There you have it. Um, I think Filevine, which is a case management program, also does some really interesting things with text messages as well, including um, getting fee agreements signed. 
which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and um, personal injury. Um, my that's a great use case, Jared. My um, attorney actually, I was in a car accident over the summer. Like minor, no, no, like worries for anybody listening. But the, I hired this guy straight up because the time between the phone call that we had and when I had a text message with a link to my retainer agreement that I docu signed on my phone without having to log into anything was less than four minutes. I mean, it has to be like a retainer record. Um, and, and file vine, I think is, has a nice sweet spot for PI attorney. So totally, you know, just on board with the whole concept. Be that guy. Wow. We are name dropping like crazy. This has been a tremendously fun episode of the legal toolkit. It was awesome having a guest host like Jessica. Awesome. Having a guest like Chelsea 2018 is off to a great start. So Remember me, I'll be back for future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America and the legal market. However, if you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at legaltalknetwork.com. So we owe a big thank you to Chelsea Lambert of Lex Tech Review for making an appearance on the show. Chelsea, last time we saw you, we had those delicious pineapple mojitos. So hopefully next time we hang out again, we can have another fun night like that one. Oh, you're on. Those are awesome. (laughs) All right. Can you remind folks where they can find out more about you? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time today. uh, And everyone can find me at Lex Tech Review, you can go to my contact page if you're, you know, a law firm that needs just a quick assessment or are curious to hear, you know, what my thoughts are on a platform. You can schedule right on my calendar from there. My email address is Chelsea C H E L S E Y at Lex L E X T E C H Review dot com, and you can visit me on Twitter at Chelsea Lambert or at Lex Tech Review. So check out Chelsea's website. Follow her on Twitter on both accounts and download the 2017 Buyer's Guide, which is a tremendous publication. Thanks again, Chelsea. Thanks to my wife, Jessica, for co-hosting her very first podcast and also for putting up with me for the last 15 years. We'll see how many more she can do. Um, And finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. And remember, even if you're stuck on the island of misfit toys, listening to King Moon Racer drone on and on, Rudolph and Santa maybe just around the corner. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.